to take the rifle off the fella. It was uh, coming off guard, the next one on guard, and I put the, ceremoniously put the magazine in, put the bolt forward, pulled the trigger and blew a hole through the tent. And <laughs> <laughs> it missed a fella by about that much. So he ran into, ran into the lake and, and broke a toe on the Molotov cocktail. That was a charge. I think you made that up. Just no, now. but what of honour, yes. Yeah. Bellamore Park, outside Rugeley. Mm. Ask the lads, they're right in. <clears throat> Of course, you had something happen to you in the army, apart from uh, shooting people. You met Spike Milligan, though, I did, you? oh, that was... Uh, uh, that's uh, a, a, a long story. I'll make it very quick. Yes, yes. Uh, I've got time. Time. Uh, Anyway! We're positioned in, the, in, in North Africa, up on, the, on a plateau near the Shawash Valley. I've got a memory for names, you know. I don't know what it was, but it was called the Shawash Valley. And there was this plateau thing. And we couldn't get the Germans out of these hills. We kept sending them letters, but they wouldn't go, you know. <laughs> Come out, they wouldn't. So they sent for these big guns. We, I was 25 pounder regiment, by the way, artillery. You know, the mm. five-mile snipers, they called us. That's <laughs> 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 a lead retreats, you know. It was wear my uniform back to front. <laughs> thought I was advancing, but I was begging for the Maffi. <laughs> We had these, uh, these gun pits they dug, you see. Uh, uh, our gun pits weren't big enough for this big 7.2 gun howitzer they sent up from Algiers to, to get the Germans out, you know, make a, a big visiting card. So uh, they, they came in at what they call a night occupation, and they went in the, the gun pit we dug for them, and they went in on, on the top of this plateau. And I was in a command post at about a 150-foot cliff here. So anyway, they fired this first round with this big gun at night, and... The scientist said, fire, pull the lanyard, and when he turned on, the gun had gone. <laughs> this huge gun had jumped out of, the, out of the, the gun pit, and it came clattering over where we were, and missed us by a few yards, you know, in this little <clears> truck. <throat> and I thought, they're throwing guns at us. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> nobody knew what had happened, you see. So the next thing we knew, the back of the truck parted, the canopy, and the face came through. Anybody seen a gun? <laughs> and it was Milligan, because... <laughs> He was on the crew of the girl, and he says he's still paying for it. <laughs> was this the start of the goons, then, Harry? Well, I met him later um, in, in Italy, where we were on a thing called uh, Settled Pool of Artists yes. outside, um, outside Naples, and, and I met him there. We had this uh, marvellous reunion. You know, there's this terrible sense of humour that nobody else really understood. Yeah. And we did a show called uh, Over the Page, <coughs> Terrible it was, but we used to get hysterical. And uh, when I came out of the army, I went to the Wimble Theatre, where I met Mike Pantene. He was half of an act called Sherwood and Forest. Sherwood and Forest? Yeah. Worked uh, that one out. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually uh, uh, Forest, because the fellow, there was a bloke called Michael Sherwood who played the piano, or Tony Sherwood played the piano. And uh, I introduced Spike to Mike, and then later we met Peter, and that's how it all started. Hmm. You were saying that not many people understood his, his, his kind of humour, that kind of zany humour. In fact, uh, I remember when the goon started that people were reading all kinds of intellectual things into your humour, weren't they? Oh, yes, Shades Kafka. of Inesco and Yes, Kafka and, um, and Dylan Thomas. Dylan, Dylan Thomas, yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, well, what was it to you, though, at that time? I mean, you know, what, what did you think you were creating? Well, we were, we were, first of all, against most of the established kind of humour that, that um, was existing at the time, you know, the, 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 the hat turned up in the front and the I say, I say, if anything happened to me, or the, the routine of gags thing. Uh, and probably because we couldn't tell jokes very well. I could never remember the endings. <laughs> so 
So I did a shaving routine, the way different people shave with. That was my act. This is when you were on the holes? Yes, around the holes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I got taken off the bill at Bolton. Why? The manager came up to me and said, you don't shave in my bloody time. He said... <laughs> <laughs> and I was paying off for the Monday night first house. Oh. I sent what? a telegram to Mike Benteen. Audience with me all the way, managed to shake him off at the station. <laughs> <laughs> It, what was it like, Harry, that period on the halls when you were doing a solo spot? Was it, was well, it's a bit really? frightening, you know, because yeah. you're there and, and uh, the dancing girls go on, eh, 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 a bit of a routine, but then you're on and it's all the old teeth caught. Hello, folks! <laughs> <laughs> all, all the eye flickering. Especially Monday night, first house in the winter, when you play Blackpool in the winter, you know, with nobody out there except the landladies or something. Yeah. And all, they're all on the, you know, they're all on, the, on the Wilkie Bar, they're all coming for nothing. Yeah. And uh, to get them going for eight... You've got to stay there for eight minutes to get them going before the next act comes on. Yeah. And I once came on with a shaving act at Huddersfield, I think. I put my little table down with all the thing on it. and started... Everybody had to shave, and I said, the table moved away at the rake of the stage like that. And everything fell up the orchestra. <laughs> <coughs> I didn't know what to do. You know, nothing left. That was my act. <laughs> <laughs> so I went... <laughs> <laughs> And I'd lived. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was talking to, um, to Peter earlier, and he was saying that the one thing about you was that, um, whereas if the others died on stage, as they did occasionally, you could always burst into song. Yes, I was always lucky there. Yeah. Got the old truss on, and... <laughs> 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 the terror's friend. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I trust the terror's yeah. friend. Yes. Yeah, descriptive. Yes, just well, well, the baritone's buddy. <laughs> But when did you, I mean, did you ever uh, consider uh, a serious career in, in singing at all? Uh, no, I saw myself in tights once. I don't think it's, opera was quite favourable. <laughs> <laughs> My knees haven't been orchestrated, you see. <laughs> but I, uh... <laughs> and nothing else has either. I, <clears throat> I started uh, singing because of the way you can't get off. You know, either you did a monologue, and I couldn't do those very well. So I used to finish up with... Uh, Falling in love with love, or, or be my love, or something. In the wrong key, usually. I used to change key by three times in the middle. And somebody said to me, you know, it's all right having a voice, but you should do something with it, like lose it, or, or, get, it, <laughs> <laughs> or get it trained. So I went to a singing teacher, and for 12 years I studied very seriously. Really? The trouble was I used to go cross in the middle of an aria, and, and the publishers didn't like that. <laughs> and, and I always sing it to a wonderful man, De Verily. He said to me... Um, Harry, he said, the composer, he said, he must have been up all night over this, just this little piece you're singing. He said, take him seriously. And then I began to take the whole thing seriously. I go cross-eyed at the end. <laughs> but uh, I do like singing very much, but I like to, to mix it with comedy. I think it's one compliments the other as far as I'm concerned. That's yes. why I have to be very happy doing um, musical comedies. You know? Yes. Going back to the, to, to the goons for a moment, um, Harry, um, do you... I mean, everybody's got their idea. I mean, people like me who sort of reared on the goons. We all had our own sort of <clears throat> visions of, yeah. of who the characters were. Um, were they, in fact, real life to you? Did, did you know them all personally? Oh, yes, I think so, definitely. I mean, um, we used to sit around and talk about them, and, and a lot of the characters evolved from real characters. Really? Yes. I mean, Peter, you know, with all the voices he has, he'd come in with something, perhaps some... some uh, car salesman he'd met that he'd have this voice which would develop into somebody else this is in the very beginning I mean and um, Spike had his funny voices I, I was generally neddy because uh, anything else I, I did still sounded like me you know <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello, folks. One of those laser beam voices. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think a lot of them were built on, on real-life characters. And Peter, who provided most of the voices, let's face it, Peter had, had heard people, had seen them. And, and the most wonderful thing about Peter, when he's doing, doing the show, standing next to him, He'd be blood knock, you know. He'd change from being blood knock to Henry Crumb, and he actually was them. He's quite frightening. Yes, we'll probably see him. You better be careful what you say. It's coming on in a moment. <laughs> oh, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> did you, when you went back and did this uh, special show for the 50th anniversary, yeah. what was it like, Harry? Was it was it terribly nostalgic? Did it work again, the magic? Or well, we'd all, I think, we'd all laughed ourselves hysterically and thought about it beforehand and then when the day came I think we were all the three of us were apprehensive and a bit nervous about it because it's uh, nearly 12 years I think before we you know since we did the last one and um, as you know so much of it depended on, on fairly split-second timing and knowing what the other fellow was going to say or anticipating what he was going to say so we could come in with the next thing um, but suddenly we, we turned up at the Camden Theatre, nothing had changed. They were the same cups and saucers hanging about. The <laughs> <laughs> same, same people. Uh, and, and suddenly it, it really was there, you know, and, and Ray Ellington, all the boys, and mm. Max. It was wonderful. Mm. Uh, and suddenly it, it, uh, the, the, the magic, it didn't, it, it straight away started, like a, like a leg has gone to sleep, you slap it a bit and yes. suddenly it comes back. Yes. Did you, were you aware at the time, though, when you were first doing it, first doing the, the, the Goon Show, that in fact you were creating a style of humour which I suppose um, was the most important innovation of being a humour of this century? I don't think we were. I think, I mean, Spike, for example, said, Let, let's, let's, because um, we were doing other shows at the time. Peter, for example, was doing Raise a Laugh and I was doing Educating Archie at one time when we were doing the Goon Show as well. And they were full of catchphrases. And Spike decided once, let's, let's have a catchphrase. So he, he made up... I think he